So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. I have to admit, I'm, I'm quite disappointed by Google Maps' ability to locate lavatories. Because I looked up my nearest toilet, the term they like to use, to where I am right now. And it is apparently 12 hours, 48 minutes walk away. What? Yes, it's quite a long way. That makes me feel quite unwell just thinking about it. Smashing Security, episode 356. Big Dumpers, AI Defamation, and the Slug That Slurped, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 356. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined this week by a special guest, someone who hasn't been on the show for a while. We're delighted to have returned to the hot seat, BBC technology editor Zoe Kleinman. Hello, Zoe. Hello, how nice to be back. So nice to have you back. Oh, thank Proper you. Proper journo. <laughs> it's been too long. Right, we're on a tight schedule today. So, Carol, pull the lever. It's weather depending if we can even get this show out. But before we kick the show off, let's thank this week's wonderful sponsors, Vanta and Collide. It's their support that help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Well, I'm going to be uh, taking a slightly different look at a data dump or um, I, I'm telling Google to bog off, uh, all sorts of things, actually. Okay, sounds fascinating. <laughs> Zoe, what about you? I'm going to be telling you about what happened when I thought a chatbot was lying about me. Ooh. And I'm going to talk about how a slug slimed aerospace. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, we all know, I'm sure, about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Did you learn about that, guys, at school? Do you remember yes. Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Today it's sleep, 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 sleep and sleep. <laughs> That's what I'm missing today. <laughs> so your most basic needs, things like air, water, shelter, maybe a bit of grub. Um, and then you have another layer, which is like your personal security, your health, of course, employment. And then all that sort of squishy, squashy stuff like love and friendship and bits. intimacy and family and, and all, all those sort of things. And some people these days think that a working internet connection <laughs> overrides all of those needs, particularly me at the moment. My internet's been up and down like bonkers over the last few days after this storm. Isn't there a whole campaign about making internet like the fifth utility? You know, you've got electricity, you've got water, you've got gas, maybe it's the fourth utility. And one of them, they say, should be the internet. 
Well, there's so many things you can't do these days unless you've got an internet connection, have you? I and mean, with a digital government, they're expecting you to communicate with them via websites or to have a phone in your back pocket, some way in which to interact with them. I mean, how else can you pay your taxes, right? <laughs> right. No, you know, sending in forms or checks, you know, that's not going to work. So you, you do need some sort of digital connectivity more and more today, I think. But I would argue there are times when something even trumps all of those needs, even Wi-Fi, perhaps, for instance, Picture the scene. You're out, you're about, and you suddenly realise that you unexpectedly need to go to the loo. Very, very badly indeed. At that point, you don't care about (laughs) air and water. Depending on how desperate you are, you may not even want shelter. (laughs) You might just say, I don't care. I'll just do it here. I don't know. It doesn't matter if it's you or a young child, a toddler you're pushing around. Yes, girl. Yes. I have heard of adults wearing diapers. So if you feel you're getting caught short and you can't do big journeys, maybe you just need to wear a few diapers and then you're not so nervous. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know what? I think that day is coming ever closer to me, Carol, to be honest. (laughs) We've just potty trained my toddler. So we've got a load of leftover pull-ups you can have if you want. They're probably my size. (laughs) Circular economy and all that. Yes. They're fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you very, very generous of you. So... I think when you find yourself in that situation, it is more important than anything else. So what do you do in that scenario? Well, in today's modern age, you reach into your pocket, don't you? And what do you pull out? What do you pull out when you desperately need to go to the loo? You pull out your smartphone, of course, because one of the things that you can get in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store is a toilet locating app, which contain listings of millions of lavatories around the world. Oh. Have you have you never used one of these, no, girls? but I think that could be very useful. That's you know, very useful. I was in a city break this past weekend, and, you know, if you got lost or, you know, really into have a was, you know, it might be useful. You, you were in France, I believe. I was in La Belle France. So you would want le toilette poche, I expect. Well, no, no, they would all be, there was fashion week in Paris, so they would all be uh, rammed oh, with... la-di-da. Well, there is a website um, as well. If you don't have an app, there's a website called Toilet Map. .org.uk. And I went to this. um, (laughs) I went to this website as part of my research. Do you know my nearest loo is two minutes walk away from where I'm sitting right now? Really? And they will charge me 20 pence if I've toddled over to that particular loo. Thankfully, I have a lavatory actually a little bit closer en route to my front door, which I can use. Listeners, please tweet Graham with uh, the nearest loo to your house. We'd love to (laughs) Right, right. Bookmark the link, everybody. Or, (laughs) of course, so you could could bookmark the link. You could have one of those loo finding apps installed on your phone. But what are you going to do if you're desperate and you aren't prepared, if you haven't imagined this scenario happening? Well, that's when you go into Google Maps. So I went into Google Maps and I have to admit, I'm I'm quite disappointed by Google Maps, his ability to locate lavatories, because I looked up my nearest toilet, the term they like to use, to where I am right now. And it is apparently 12 hours, 48 minutes walk away. What? Yes, it's quite a long way. That makes me feel quite unwell just thinking about it. Maybe Google Maps hasn't put a lot of research into where the flip or the toilets, you know? You absolutely are correct, Crow. They haven't. How could they not think of that? (laughs) There is an absence of public lavatories near me. If I go to the West Country, I'm doing a lot better. But but here in the centre of England, very disappointingly, and the BBC really should be investigating this, I think, <laughs> the, the Google Maps. Is that I'm a not, hint? Is that a hint? I'm just, just, just a little bit of a hint for the nine, <laughs> for the nine o'clock news, maybe. But so, <laughs> so, um, 
so I found out this Lou is, and the reviews of it are quite good. A guy called David P. Um, appropriately enough, <laughs> uh, on, as most the, left a review on Google Maps and reasonably clean, fresh and fresh for public toilets, no payment required. But there's no guarantee. It doesn't give me opening time. What so I don't think I've set off. What does fresh mean in a loo context? Well, you know, just sort of, you know, fragrant, I imagine, you know, it, but in a good way. Anyway, not very useful to me. And I think the problem is that for some reason, in much of the UK, loos, lavatories, bogs, public toilets, whatever you want to call them, aren't being added to these databases. Now, anybody can add an entry to Google Maps telling it about a loo. And I think, hey, listeners, go and do that. Tell it about a local loo. You might save someone uh, who finds themselves in a predicament, just like you can tell Google Maps about businesses. But Obviously, we trust our listeners to act responsibly, but can we trust the general public not to misbehave when it comes to listing things like lose on Google Maps? Mm. Well, this is what my story is about, in case you're wondering all this preamble, because someone in Australia, it seems, cannot be trusted. An Australian man called Will decided as a prank to register the shared house he lived in in Canberra as a lavatory on Google Maps. Nice way to meet new people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? He wasn't, wasn't living in a cottage. You open your front um, door and there's a queue <laughs> of quite desperate looking people. Hey, everybody. I'm so popular. <laughs> so it turns out this chap, Will, has for years been registering his houses as businesses on Google Maps mm-hmm. as a joke. That's what you have to do in Australia for a bit of humour. You register your house as a business. So he, he used to live in a house which he registers as a McDonald's, and apparently cars would drive past slowly, drivers looking confused. Hilarious. Which is a bit mean, really, if you're desperate for a... What, for a Big Mac? Yeah, it's not that funny, is it? <laughs> um, another year, he, uh, he registered that his shared house was a cafe, and years later, he came across a real estate agent who was listing another property, a rental, which boasted that the rental was only 400 metres from his fake cafe. That was one of the selling points because they'd gone on Google Maps and said, oh, it's near this cafe. Then let's, let, let's put oh, that in. Will, so, will, so Google will. Maps, the information being stored on it about businesses and lavatories and facilities can cause all kinds of problems. And... So this chap, Will, he registered the house he was living in as a public toilet on Google Maps, and he called it Big Dumpers. Wonderful. And smart. Really we, smart I, move. Again, I, I'm sure this did not go wrong for him, you know? It's, uh, well, <laughs> it's Australian humour again. No, but again, okay, so someone has to go have a so-called big dump, knocks right. the door, he laughs at them. What are they going to do? Shit on his lawn, well, right? Well, well, you know, I mean... Maybe I don't know. They might have to. It, they might have to. I suppose they may have to do. They may be upset. Um, I don't know how close the, the nearest other facility is. They may not leave a five star review. Is all I'm saying. No. Well, <laughs> people have been leaving five star oh, reviews. Of his, they have. his mates uh-huh. have been leaving reviews extolling the virtues of big dumpers. And of course, once other people leave reviews on a joke listing, other people are more likely to believe it and think, "Well, there is a loo there." So is this a serious problem, is my question to you. Is this actually a problem? What do you think? I don't think it's particularly widespread. I think it might be a problem if there was a worldwide uh, emporium of big dumpers, but I'm not sure that there is. About 15 years ago, I lived in a property yeah. with my ex-husband and he registered that property to his business, which is long since gone. Oh yeah. But I was uh, casually looking up 
uh, where we used to live the other day on Google Maps, and I realised that it's still registered as being his business. And I don't, I don't really know what to do about it. But I can, I can believe wow. that that all a lot of these things are sort of subject to the goodwill, aren't they, of people keeping them up to date? Have you seen that amazing um, thread about people revisiting old Google Street views to see like relatives oh, who've died? Oh, it's, oh, passed away. Yes, yes exactly. That's right. it's, it's an incredible, uh, very moving. Moving actually, um, uh, discussion. It comes up from time to time, doesn't it? It's like a sort of time yes. capsule. But again, yeah. that, that's a nice thing. That's a nostalgic thing. It's not going to help you out if you're desperate for the loo. No, I think it's a particular issue of this chap highlighting that his old property was a public loo isn't that big a problem. Apparently, no one ever came around desperately looking for the loo if he had it told, told them to, you know, turn turtle and go away. But a couple of years later, like you, Zoe, Will, who'd moved out of the house, checked out and noticed big dumpers were still remaining on Google Maps. And mm -hmm. what do you know, if you looked up big dumpers on Google Maps, it also showed popular times. What? Times when the location was right. This is this is the security angle. This is the privacy Finally, bit. okay, nine minutes in. Right, because, because <laughs> what he found was that Google was logging the geolocation data of people with smartphones who came to that property. And so Will was able to see Nine o'clock in the morning on Thursdays was a really busy time for big dumpers, according to Google Maps. But later, it was normally completely empty. Oh, You're no. sure there was no toilet sensors or anything? No, no, no. Because <laughs> I was thinking, you know, Google obviously are very invasive. They would, they would monitor all kinds of <laughs> devices being used. And you can imagine they might, they might, their mind boggles literally uh, about that kind of thing. But, but yeah. So if you registered an address on Google Maps, right. you might later be able to pick up when people are likely to be there and when they're not. So when that's a private home that's actually in there, that could potentially be rather useful. I mean, I mean, obviously, this popular times is handy if you want to go to a cafe or a restaurant or a cinema or some other facility. You can look at it on Google Maps and it says, oh, the supermarket's really busy right now. But if you go along at nine o'clock at night, it's not so busy. It doesn't take freaking Google to just, to know that, does though? Does it? Really? No, but I mean, there, there are times when you think, well, should I go to this swimming pool now or later? And it says, oh, it's really popular right now. You might want to go at a different time, or so, you know, sometimes it's not obvious. So it's it's interesting. There's even a live. Is it busy right now? Which Google Maps can tell you as well. And of course, the way in which Google Maps is telling this is through people's smartphones, because if you've got Google Maps on your phone. Google can periodically check in on the location of your phone to find out where you are, what you're up to, and whether a location can be assumed to be busier. So all kinds of information can begin to leak out. And I think it, it wouldn't take a, a genius to work out how if it's a private home, that potentially could be information you don't want made public or be able for anyone to access. And cause a mischief with. There was a site a few years ago called Please Rob Me. And all it basically yes. was, do you remember that? It was like an RSS yeah. feed, wasn't it? Of, of data yeah. of people posting on social media going, woohoo, I'm off on holiday with the family. Right. <laughs> and basically, you know, advertising that their that their house was going to be empty. Yeah. So folks, if you don't like the idea of Google tracking your location, you can go into the settings on your phone. For instance, on your iPhone, you can say, uh, you know, only maybe 
ping my location when I have the Google Maps app open, or you can turn it off completely, although other things may stop working then. I remember a few years ago, there was a German artist who pulled a kid's toy cart around after him, around Berlin. Yes. And uh, he had 99 smartphones in this little toy cart he was walking around with. And Google Maps thought there was a traffic jam in Berlin. Beautiful. uh, Because he was showing all these phones moving very, very slowly. But that doesn't really help in regards to people whose addresses might have been registered. So I think, Zoe, you need to go and speak to your ex-husband and say, for goodness sake, deregister that address because it could do harm for someone else in future. <laughs> okay. If you're on speaking terms with We, it, we are on speaking terms. <laughs> oh, good, I, I, good. I'm not Glad quite sure how I'll bring this up, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, other people need to think about their own privacy as to how much information they're sharing with Google. But it's an interesting way in which Google Maps could be revealing more than we want to about people's behaviour. Zoe, what have you got for us this week? Well, I want to tell you both a little story about something that happened to me that I think is going to basically happen to all of us at some point. And it's a sort of cautionary tale of how difficult it is to manage. So I had a little flurry of activity on social media. People were sending me this screenshot and going, oh my God, have you seen this? You know, it's never good news when people start doing that. So I had a look at it and it looked like a screenshot from uh, Grok, which is the AI chatbot that's been set up by Elon Musk's company, XAI. Mm -hmm. And the person who'd posted it had written... um, Give me a list of the top 10 uh, spreaders of disinformation on X. And there were some, you know, really big US conspiracy theorists on this list with millions of followers uh, who were posting content about, you know, big style conspiracy theories. And number nine on the list was me. What the heck is she doing on the show, <laughs> Graham? <laughs> How did you get on? This is my final appearance on Smash and Security. You must have been gobsmacked. I was very surprised because there was nothing, I didn't have anything in common with any of these other accounts. I didn't know them. None of us followed each other. I've never reported on them. There was nothing that I could see. There were no sort of obvious data points that would put me on a list with these people, right? We know that AI is trained on loads of data. We know that it sometimes joins dots wrong. Yeah. You have a cool Twitter handle though, don't you? Because you're one of those those people who only has three letter Twitter handles. Very cool. ZSK. It's very cool that. I wonder if that could have been a factor. Well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I didn't know how mm. I'd got on it, but you know, clearly, I'm a, I'm, I'm a working journalist. I work at the BBC. This, this is not a list that I want to no. be on. Right. But it hadn't gone mad viral. You know, I, I wasn't seriously worried about it. But I, I, I thought as a test case, I'd like to see what I can do about this. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, I have, I, I do actually happen to know a bit about this stuff because I've done a lot of reporting on AI and regulation, mm. and while various territories and countries seem intent on doing their own thing. The one thing that a lot of them do agree with is that you should be able to challenge a decision made about you or content produced about you by an AI tool, right? And here in the UK, what the UK government has said is they want to fold it into existing regulators. So if you think you've got a problem, you know, you go to the regulator you would go to if you had that problem in any other area of your life. So I thought, okay, I'll try the regulators. So I went to the information commissioner's office and said, 
you know, this is doing the rounds. What do you think? What can I do? Uh, and they said, no, it's not us because this is content rather than data. You know, they're the data protection people. They said, go to Ofcom. Right. So Ofcom, it polices the Online Safety Act, which is all about online harm. I thought, right. yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So I said to Ofcom, can you help me? You know, this has happened. I sent them the screenshot and they said, it's not us because uh, while it's not very nice, it's not criminal. So they, so they sent you to the you... milk marketing board and they sent you to... <laughs> well, <laughs> they... Ofcom only care about criminal reports. That's what they said. Huh. They, that's what they said. It's not right. criminal. So we can't deal with it. They said, uh, go to a lawyer. So I went to two lawyers who claim to specialize in, in AI-related uh, <laughs> cases. The first one didn't want to talk to me at all. And the second one said, uh, there is no precedent for this yet. There are a handful of cases going on around the world, but there's been no uh, solution to any of them yet. So uh, it's a difficult one. I, she said I was in an uncharted territory and I could go for defamation because it was defamatory. You know, I was on this list. I'm identifiable yes. and it's been published. But uh, there was no guarantee that I would win and the onus would be on me to prove that it had caused me harm. I should also say, by the way, that I went to X, uh, which is the owner of this chatbot, and guess what? They completely ignored me. So I didn't get anywhere with them. <laughs> Not either. even a poop emoji? I didn't even get a poop emoji. I got absolutely nothing. Radio silence. Um, so I was just, I was really interested in in this because, you know, basically I never set out to sue anyone for defamation, but that was the route that I was pushed down really. Yeah. And, and even then I was sort of told, well, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to get anywhere with this because nobody ever has. And then uh, the sort of final plot twist to all of this is that I'd also showed it to. Uh, we have a team here called BBC Verify, and they mm. they are they are amazing. They sort of forensically look at sources and information and and try to verify it, make you know, and check out sort of fake news. And they said they think there is a reasonable chance that the screenshot itself was faked. So, ah. so that's kind of the conclusion of it, which oh. was slightly weird in itself. But for me, I felt like, you know, Zoe Kleiman, the tech editor of the BBC, I've got time to pursue this and I know how to do it because it's my job. Zoe Kleiman, full-time working mum of three, I have no time to do this and I don't know where to start. And I think that's that, that's the person I'm, I'm worried about. You know, this is going to happen more and more. We know that the, yeah. the AI chatbots, they call it hallucinate, don't they? Which basically means make stuff up about you. Yes. So where is the accountability there? Yeah, and it's almost like the next phase of cyberbullying. I can see this happening, you know, with disgruntled employees, you know, pissed off another employee and just doing little shit-stirring activities online that are kind of untraceable-ish, right? Because they're shared. So I don't like it at all. It's, it's, It's worrying, isn't it? And I think, you know, we don't know what data these these AI tools are being trained on. We don't see it. Um, the people who own a lot of them say they don't really understand sometimes why a tool comes out with the result that it does, right? They don't know themselves. So there's a lot of unknowns here. But ultimately, I guess the question it is, is it their responsibility? Like, you know, in the early days of social media, when Facebook was going, we're not a publisher, we're just a platform and everyone's putting stuff on us and it's got nothing to do with us. And and we've kind of gone, well, actually, <laughs> I think you'll find you do have to take some responsibility. And everyone's so desperate to avoid that situation again. But I sort of felt a bit like this is not going so well, is it? Because, you know, here I am sitting here trying to sort it out and actually I can't. At the very least, you should be able to add a note to the tweet or something so other people who retweeted and say, look, 
this is why this particular post can't be trusted or something. Because you do see that on Twitter, don't you? People can leave comments and then other people will vote if they agree with you that it's misinformation. Yeah, but there are community it, notes. But the other yes. thing I the other thing you have to bear in mind, I'm Graham, you have a large following on X, I know. Carol, I'm sure you are a superstar in it as well. No, I don't. I don't have no idea. <laughs> but you know, sometimes getting involved in it gives it more yeah. amplification than actually it would if it Absolutely. just died out. And I thought I've been in this position many times, I'm sure you have. You you kind of sit on your hands because you want to engage with it, but actually you know that you'll make it worse because suddenly, in my case, you know, thirty five thousand followers will see when maybe only a thousand have at the moment so it's it's Mm. that battle isn't it between wanting to defend yourself but not wanting to to avalanche yet more of a pylon onto you Mm. and that's why you came to smashing security and we love you for that (laughs) (laughs) exactly in a nutshell (laughs) carol what have you got for us this week I'm talking about how a slug slimed aerospace. So have you guys heard of AirCap? I don't know how you say it. A-E-R. It's a it's a Dublin-based company. Uh, AirCap. I'm going to say that. Oh, I don't know. AirCap. No, I don't know what that is. No. No. I They're haven't. like an Irish aviation leasing company. Now, I didn't know there were aviation leasing companies. I suppose I never thought about it before. But apparently, airlines lease aircraft from other airlines or these leasing companies just to basically avoid the financial burden of, you know, the purchase of buying a plane. Well, yeah, you don't want to buy planes are expensive. So right. I, guess, I guess like buying a car is expensive and sometimes it may make more sense to lease one for a while. Right. So you like maybe around Christmas, you might go and lease a plane or two planes just to increase capacity, you know, because you have more people traveling. I don't know what kind of Christmas parties you have, Carol, that you're leasing planes. <laughs> <laughs> Do do you ever feel like some people live really different lives to you, Graham? (laughs) (laughs) Now, AirCap seems to be the largest leaser of airlines in our global town. And the reason I'm talking about these guys is that AirCap just confirmed that it suffered a cyber attack on January 17th. This was reported this week by Reuters. Mm And it seems it was a ransomware attack that snuck in and got away with a terabyte of data. And for those who aren't sure, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of data. Well, it depends, doesn't it? It could, it could be a database of plain text records, or it could be a, a, a bunch of tor- movies which have been downloaded from some torrent site. So they've got, you know, the latest Mission <laughs> yeah, Impossible. Yeah. And- they just went on to the administrator's private, uh, private cache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. When, when they say, oh, yeah, it's a gigabyte or something like this, it's like, well, it might be a lot, might not be yeah, so but much. a terabyte, man. Pretty... A ter- yeah, okay. All right. Yes, it is quite a lot of data. All right. I'm being silly. It's significant. And the users, the group, rather, the group who claim to be uh, leading this little ransomware boogie-woogie are known as Slug. I haven't heard of them before. Slug. Slug. They're brand new, apparently. (laughs) Right. All the good names are gone. It's an unusual name, right? Because normally we were talking recently about how they all had tough guy names. You know, these scammers. And this is kind of the opposite. It's gross imagery. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so this all came to the public eye with Hackmanac. This is a group that manages the largest repository of cyber attacks from open sources. And they first reported the incident on the 18th of January, the day before Aircap made its filing to the SEC. And this is all according to the Air Finance Journal, another brand new publication in my echo chamber, Air Finance Journal. So 
Hackmanac CEO Sophia Skrzari, she said, we identified the new cyber criminal group named Slug during our analysis of the dark web. This post is authentic. Uh, and they, according to Slug, who left some comment, they say that Aircap was its first victim. Now, Slug have reportedly told Aircap that they have until the 29th of January. To pay up or enter negotiations in some Exactly, way. exactly. To settle up with a payment or the data that they've stolen would start oozing out like slug slime. <laughs> of course, uh, this is not the first time aerospace kingpins have been hit. Uh, last year, Boeing was faced with a cyber attack involving 45 gigs of data. And I think what I found interesting in all this, so we don't know, we don't know what data was stolen. I can't find any information on that as yet, but this story is still unfolding. Mm. We also don't know how much the payment negotiations are, but we rarely know that at this stage, how much, you know, whether they decide to pay or not pay. We're not meant to, are you? Yeah, right. But uh, it's interesting. So this comment was made by um, Air, I've written Air Crap here. Can you believe that? <laughs> air Cap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you're mixing up with my story, Carol. Yeah, autocorrect, autocorrect. Um, so Aircap um, said, we have full control of our IT systems, and to date we have suffered no financial loss related to the incident. So that's their primary comment. Do you, do you not feel like, do you really have full control? Really? Well, it doesn't sound like they have full visibility, at least they're not sharing it at the moment as to what data has been taken. I and mean, that'd be one of the first questions you would want to know if you were a company which dealt with Aircap, if you were in the business of leasing uh, aircraft through them. Uh, you, you may want to think, well, <laughs> has anyone got any information about us that you were storing or that they might attempt to exploit? I don't know. I think after a terabyte had been stolen, you had to go public. If I were a shareholder, and they seem to be catering quite strongly to shareholders based on their homepage, it seems to be, a, a, you know, they're very like, well, come on in. If you want to invest, we're here. But there's no information about this ransomware at all there that I could find. That does annoy me. Often you will find company websites after they've suffered a cyber attack won't mention it in the least. Um, yeah. Even, even online commerce sites, you know, where you're buying things from an online store where the information's been stolen. If you're a, a new customer the following day, you might go to that online store and there won't be a mention of it. There'll be some, there might be an advisory squirreled away deep inside the press section. There might be a release about it, but it's like, shouldn't this be front and centre so people can make an informed choice as to whether they want to trust you with their sensitive data or not? Mm. I agree with you there, but I also think, I sort of feel a sense of helplessness when you get mm. the inevitable email saying oh we think you know we've we've been compromised and we think you might be in it but we don't really know and we're not sure what data of yours we don't think it was any yeah. bank account details but it might be you know keep an eye on your bank account and you're like what what, what actually is the purpose of this information you're not giving me anything at all it's either concrete fact or that I can do anything about. Yeah, you can, it's not actionable. It's just worrisome. Yes, exactly. I suppose it's to cover their ass if the ICO later investigate and say, why didn't you inform customers? Yeah, but isn't the process flawed? Like, what 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 mm. are you telling me? You know, yeah. <laughs> what, what there's absolutely nothing I can do about this. Is is there? If you've got, uh, we we had a situation here at the BBC where it, it was there was a potential. Uh, hack of a sys payment system that was used and it, i say potential because i now think they're not even sure whether whether bbc data was included in the in the breach or right. not 
Yeah. So we all got free credit monitoring for a couple of years, I think. But it, it just sort of, it, it did feel both worrying, but also completely, mm-hmm. completely powerless. There's, there's nothing I can do about this. You know, if somebody's got hold of my national insurance number, well, what, what can I do about that? Nothing. I totally get that no company wants to advertise or market the fact that they were kneecapped by a cyber attack in some way, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Especially if, you know, the person who's done this to you is apparently called Slug. You know, that makes it somehow worse. <laughs> that kind of makes you even more memorable. I was going to say, like, journalists do know, but we do hear about so many of these things that we don't necessarily remember. But I reckon I'd remember Slug. Yeah, easy to spell as well, right? So maybe it's not so silly. <laughs> I was thinking, if only the passwords were sorted. Oh, 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 That's possibly oh, oh, too nerdy. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> A bit too geeky, that one. <laughs> Um, But I think it goes to show that while we're all still AI mad at the moment, right, I am completely, uh, there are still things like ransomware that is not new or sexy, but it's still rife. And as long as there's money to be made, uh, data napping isn't going anywhere. No, napping. See, nappies, napping. Interesting. (laughs) Well done. Well done. (laughs) There's so many threads to this show, aren't there? (laughs) This episode of Smashing Security is sponsored by Collide. Wouldn't it be great if a device which lacked compliance or lacked security was denied access to your organization's SaaS apps and other resources? Because this would mean that the hackers who had nabbed the unlucky employee's credentials, for example, could not gain access to your assets. It would effectively lock them out. Welcome to Collide, a world where access is only given to approved, secure devices. As the administrator, you can manage every operating system, even Linux, from a single dashboard. Another bonus of Collide, employees can often fix their own problems without involving IT support, meaning less resources are needed to effectively operate a more secure environment. Collide is the device trust solution for companies with Okta. Collide ensures that if a device is not trusted or it's insecure, it is denied access to your cloud apps. Learn more at collide.com slash smashing. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash smashing. And huge thank you to Collide for sponsoring the show. Shortcut compliance without short change in security. That's what Vanta can bring your company. Expanding the scope of your security program with Vanta's market-leading compliance automation, saving your business time and money. Vanta has over 5,000 customers around the globe who are saving over 300 hours in manual work and up to 85% of their costs for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, GDPR, custom frameworks, and more. And with Vanta's 200-plus integrations, you can easily monitor and secure the tools your business relies on. From the most in-demand frameworks to third-party risk management and security questionnaires, Vanta gives SaaS businesses of all sizes one place to manage risk and prove security in real time. And as a special bonus, Smashing Security listeners can get a stonking 20% off Vanta. Just go to vanta.com slash smashing to claim your discount. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash smashing. And thanks to Vanta for supporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the week. 
Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they like. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. My Pick of the Week this week is a YouTube channel run by an American comedian and singer uh, called Randy Rainbow. Do either of you know of Randy (laughs) Rainbow? No. No? Well, he's he's quite a jolly chap, I have to say. He makes uh, he's a big fan of the show tunes, and uh, he makes political, satirical parody show tune videos from a liberal perspective. Basically, not a big fan of Donald Trump. So sorry for any listeners who are big fans. To be honest, I think we lost most of you long ago. <laughs> but um, but. But anyway, uh, Randy Rainbow makes a series of videos, so he will do show tunes like uh, Don't Rain on My Parade. That will be Don't Arrain on His Parade. Don't tell him he's a dirty lion bragger. Life's Big Macs and the sons of Baller Maga. Don't anybody dare arrain on his parade. I don't have a lot of time. Don't and it's quite amusing. He just these sort of little mock videos interviewing, maybe it's Donald Trump or another presidential candidate talking about things going on in the news. He did he did a, a parody of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and it was Donald in the John with Boxes. If you remember, there were um, lots of uh, <laughs> sensitive documents being stored in Mar-a-Lago's uh, restrooms. I find him quite amusing. Obviously, I have to take my mind off what is happening in America. Who knows who's going to be president? Oh, we've got that to look forward to. In the meantime, I'm cheering myself up. Uh, my little liberal heart by watching some of these videos on YouTube. Randy Rainbow, I found them quite amusing. Maybe you will too. And that is my pick of the week. Zoe, what's your pick of the week? I recently test drove a new car and it was the Ford Mac E. Now, full disclaimer, they lent it to me uh, so that I could try out hands-free driving on the motorways. Oh. And here in the UK, it I know that in the US and China, you guys are all way ahead of us. But here in the UK, this is the only car that you can do it with. And it only works on, on the motorways and you, it's geofence. So it switches itself on when you're in the zone. You can't, uh, well, ah. you probably could, Graham, but I don't <laughs> know how to make it, uh, how to break that. And I wanted to try it out because uh, there's a lot of noise about Uh, automated driving, isn't there? We've got the government here saying they want to introduce more uh, automated driving on Mm. Britain's roads. So I decided to have a go. So I just took it, I had it when I was in London and I took it around the M25, which is the uh, motorway that goes around the city. It's one of the biggest, busiest motorways. And basically what we do is you get onto the motorway and you activate the cruise control. And then when you're kind of on the motorway properly and you're sort of settled, basically there's a sort of screen that goes blue. And then it says, you can take your hands off the wheel now. And I did. And I found it (laughs) incredibly weird. I've been in driverless cars before, but I haven't actually been in control of a driverless car before. And you know what? You don't have to have your foot on the accelerator and the gas pedal. But I did because I felt like I've got to have, even if it's just my big toe, I've got to feel (laughs) like I've got a little bit of control of this car. And I, I sort of sat there and and, I, and the, the other weird thing is you've got to watch the road, right? So there's trackers. I think they're below the, uh-huh. the, the mirror in the center. So they're watching your eyes. You've got to, you've got to watch the road uh-huh. because legally you are still in charge of the car, even though you're not doing anything. So 
I didn't know what to do with my hands. And it reminded me about 20 years ago now, I quit smoking and I went through this really weird phase where I just didn't know what to do with my hands at all ever. And I felt really <laughs> awkward. And I sort of really lived that moment of thinking, so I don't need to have my hands on the steering wheel, but I can't, I can't do anything else. I still can't put, pick yeah. up my phone. I can't read the paper. I can't, you know, go on um, Twitter and tell everyone what I'm doing. So I don't know what to do with myself. But it was a really, it was a really interesting experience. And it, and it made me think, wow. you know, I was watching other drivers around me who were sort of driving yeah. past because I was, we were filming it yeah. as well. So I was trying to be quite exaggerated. So it was obvious <laughs> that I was not driving this car. And I could see people looking at me going, what is she doing? You know, she, this car, this car is an accident waiting to happen. Um, but I wondered what you guys think about the whole concept of driverless cars and, and whether we are ready for them. Oh, I, I think it might make the road safer when everyone's got a driverless car. But of course, it's a bit of a worry when other people haven't. <laughs> so, yeah. I worry what people are going to do with their hands if they don't have to have them on the steering wheel. <laughs> there is also that. Um, I did keep my hands in full view, I have to say. <laughs> was, you, was your car overtaking other cars and doing things like that as well? So, so. it didn't overtake, it, um, but it did undertake. And I thought, oh, I don't think I would have done that. And I no. looked, I actually looked it up. It's not illegal, but it's <gasps> strongly discouraged in the highway code. Oh. So that's to, you know, to undertake a car on the left-hand side. But it did do that a few times. It didn't change lane. You had to change lane uh, to make it change lane. Right. And then you sort of took back control for a bit. Uh, another thing it did that I wouldn't do was it accelerated when you came off the slip road. So as a, as a, as you come off the motorway, you kind of regain control. Yeah. But in that brief second, it would accelerate. Oh, that's not that's not good. Yes. Now I would decelerate coming off a motorway because you're going quite fast, right? Um, and so it, it did a it did a couple of things that I think I I would not have done, uh, but. I I don't know. I sort of felt like you know, I do a lot of driving. I live in Glasgow now, but I come down to London a lot. My family's all in the south of England. So I'm up and down those motorways a lot. And I did sort of think, actually, this is quite nice. I feel I, I could relax into this. But would I relax too much? Would I fall asleep? You know, would I just be bored? Well, I was thinking, would you get some sunglasses with fake eyes? impressed upon them so you could sleep and the, the video sensor would think that you are paying attention. You haven't blinked in 20 minutes. <laughs> well, obviously I was not going to do anything remotely illegal, but I did wonder whether the eye tracking, you know, if I had my phone taped to the windscreen, <laughs> would oh it know that I was watching YouTube rather than the road? Yes. I did not test this because it would be illegal, but I did wonder. I did wonder if, you know, if if there was a way around it that way and how safe that would be. Because I think uh, the, the thing is that, you know, if you drive long distances, it, it's boring, isn't it? They say don't drive for too long because you get tired, you get bored, you've got to take a break. And I wondered that whether it's sort of the same with driverless cars, but kind of worse, because although you've got to stay alert, you're not actually doing anything. Yeah, I think it is going to be unsettling for many of us. I think these things are inevitable. It's going to happen. Um, and it's going to be strange. I mean, frankly, it was strange when we had to stop cranking up cars to start them or had a little man running in front with a red flag, wasn't oh, it? Oh, you remember that, do you? Oh, well, you'd be surprised, Carol. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be an odd experience. And, and, but then, you know, our kids probably will never learn how to drive a manual car. No. Um, they're, they're all going to be driving automatics. Yeah. I mean, your, your toddler is just going to be having a, probably a fully automated car, aren't they? But the, the thing that worries me is quite possibly he will. You know, if my toddler never learns to drive a car, great. But what if he actually suddenly then does have to take control of the car because it's malfunctioning? He's not oh, going to yes. know what to do because he's never driven before. Isn't mumhood fun? 
<laughs> Another thing to worry about. <laughs> Another dilemma. <laughs> Carol, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week this week is a little card game called Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. Have either of you played? Sounds ever? like a recipe for one of your dinners. It sounds like a Netflix yeah. series, I think. I don't know. It's like, it's kind of, okay, it reminds me of a game which, you know, the name escapes me, but you will remember. But you basically, you shared all the cards, like a card game, and there's pictures of these, either a taco, a cat, a goat, a cheese pizza on a random selection of cards that you have in your hand. You're not looking at these cards, and you've got to flip them over, but sequentially say those words, those five words in that order, and as you go around the table, even though your card doesn't match that. Does that make kind of sense? Yeah. And then if it does match is when you everyone has to notice and put their hand down. And if the last one collects the cards and whole goal is to get rid of all your cards. So the more cards you collect, the shittier it is for you. Okay. Huh. Quite fun. Very easy. <laughs> no rules. You know, sometimes you go to people's houses and they go, hey, do you want to play Catan? Yes. And you might go, I've never played Catan before. And they go, okay, let me explain the rules. And like an hour and a half later... You're just like, I don't want to do this at all anymore. Oh, I can't bear that. I am so nervous of people saying, come around and play a game. I just think, oh, I'm not <laughs> going to be able to. I'm going to stop listening halfway through the instructions. And <laughs> I think I've been at your house, Carol, when you've tried to describe that it's a card game called Shit Face. Shithead. And Shithead, I, yeah. Shithead. I cannot get my head right. I mean, it's... We call it, the kids and I call it Poo Head. Poo Head, so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I can't. I just don't It's understand. so easy as well. Um, exactly. I'm always told that. It's easy. Don't worry, an eight-year-old learned, so, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, this is a card game you would buy as a box. It's, you could probably build it yourself. It's great fun. We had a great <clears> time <throat> when we were out in La, La, Belle, La, La Belle France. La Belle France. Uh, La Belle France. Um, and uh, that is my pick of the week, Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. <laughs> Terrific. Thank you very much. And... Thank you, listeners. That just about wraps it up for this week. Zoe, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out what you're up to. What is the best way for folks to do that? Oh, please do. I don't know where to start these days. There's so many different platforms <laughs> that we're meant to be on. Why don't I just give you X, which we all know is still really Twitter. It's at ZSK. Simple. You can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter wouldn't last to have a G. We've also got a Mastodon account. And you can also look us up on Reddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Overcast. And the biggest shout out to our episode sponsors, Collide and Vanta, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship info, guest list, and the entire back catalogue of more than 355 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Zoe, great stories. Thank you so much, Zoe. <laughs> was that, I hope that was all right. <laughs> oh, no, it's terrific. I, I was able to find uh, the video of you driving and things on TikTok and on Twitter. So I'll, I'll link to those in the show notes. <laughs> I, have, I have one question. So, okay, it takes over, right? It's driving for you. But then suddenly you're like, I don't like what you're doing. And you put your hands in the steering wheel. Do you automatically get control again? 
Yeah, yeah, it just switches off. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Or if you hit the brake, if you do anything, it just gives you back control of the car. Yeah. Um, but you can't you can't activate it. it, it's, it mm. Well, it activates and says you can take your hands off the wheel now, but you don't have to, obviously, but you can't switch it on. You can't choose for it to come on when you're ready. It, it, it tells you when it's ready. <laughs> Yeah, you need two stress balls in each hand, right? Yeah. Just so you can kind of work on the RSI problems uh, that we all have yeah. as uh, computer <laughs> users and, uh, you know, get rid of some of the like, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs>